You ever make a friend through a secret? Well, our next guest, she believes secrets don't make friends. They had many secrets in her family, and some still are coming out to today as an adult. But there's a journey to be heard, that we are stronger than we think, we have more to share than we believe, and there's a reason to all the madness. Let's take a listen. I grew up in a very poor single parent household, white, lower class. My mom's side of the family actually was very wealthy. She was an army brat, so she traveled everywhere. They settled in Iowa, and then my dad's side was just poor Irish. Generations, generations. They were actually, my great-great-grandpa was slave traded over here with four of his brothers. So they actually came through Canada and settled on a slave farm in Wisconsin. So that was wild to find that oh, out. Yeah. yeah, so I grew up in Iowa, grew up in a very poor town. It's actually like math capital US. So for me to even be out of that city with the family background that I have is surprising. So there's that. But <laughs> I'm the baby of seven kids. So all girls and one boy. And yeah, wow. that upbringing. A lot of girls. Right. Yeah. And I have girls, so I can't comment too much because they're too young for me to speak anything over. Yeah. So let's talk about that more. Seven girls, mm-hmm. one boy, mm-hmm. extremely opposite upbringings of your parents. What was the culture relationship like with your siblings and your parents growing up? Hard. I was a baby. So my dad actually was in the army, didn't touch alcohol which he that was his whole family upbringing was alcohol and war and being a soldier and everything like that and he enlisted because vietnam was happening or so not enlisted he got drafted Mm -hmm. um and he started drinking and doing drugs during basic training and he actually got a dishonorable discharge which resulted in him spiraling into alcoholism so that was opposite of how my mom was raised. She was raised in a strict Catholic household, no alcohol, no drugs, no nothing. So totally opposite than my dad. And it was very hard for her to cope. She actually got pregnant before marriage and she was like, okay, well, this is, you know, how it's supposed to be. We're both Catholic. We need to get married now. And she never wanted kids. She actually wanted no children. She wanted to go to school and follow the feminist route that was at the time radical because it was the 60s and she got pregnant and my dad I I just found out the other day was like I knew you wouldn't marry me unless I got you pregnant so there's that found that out and he wasn't a good dad he wasn't around I've seen him I'm 31 I've seen him maybe 11 times in my entire life so that's kind of hard to wrap my head around because he lived two blocks away from me my entire life so there's that. But the dynamic was very, very hard because he was an alcoholic. He was very abusive towards all of my siblings, but not me. I was never touched by him. So I never saw the anger that everyone else saw. So growing up, everything was always hush-hushed towards me because everyone saw the bad stuff. And so I never really understood why he was a bad guy because I never saw anything, but no one ever talked to me about it. So the dynamic essentially was really hard because Mom was never there because she was working three jobs. Dad was never there. My sisters were helping out. And so 
the stereotypical, you know, lower class life kind of took a toll on my siblings. My brother was in there, he was off playing sports because what boy wants to be in a house with eight girls who are probably all menstruating at the same time? No boy that I know of. But my sisters, there's just still so much to unpack with them because the closest one in age to me is six years older than me. So I was a baby. Mm -hmm. And I just remember growing up, someone was always pregnant or someone was in jail or someone was in juvie or there were random people throwing rocks at our windows trying to get one of theirs attention, whether it be a boyfriend or one of my sisters had stalkers growing up. Like it was just a very scary situation to be in. But considering the town we lived in, Mm -hmm. it was normal. Luckily, I mean... Luckily, no one got hurt, hurt, so that's mm-hmm. good. But I learned very early on the hard realisms of life, mm-hmm. especially, I mean, now that the world that we live in, I haven't experienced half as bad as what a lot of people have. But from my perspective, it's not a life that I would want my children to grow up in. Mm-hmm. But I'm thankful that I did because it made me who I am today. One thing you talked about is just, or hinted towards, was this concept and idea of family secrets. Mm-hmm. How has that impacted your adulthood? Like trying to unpack what you've experienced, but then really discovering these things that exist underlying that no one ever spoke about. Horrible. It really opened my eyes to a lot to religion and made me question a lot of things about not God, because God would never intentionally harm any of his children. But it made me realize the difference in God, our faith, miracles, fearing God, but also free will and free will amongst man. Because there is a huge difference between the two. On, I mean, growing up, I always thought that my dad's side of the family was the worst. They were alcoholics, they were mean, the women married rich because they didn't want to work and they were snobby and we were almost like, I wouldn't say like hand-me-downs, but we were almost like, I don't even know the word for it. Like they just felt sorry for us. So they would help out because, well, my dad didn't take care of us. So he kind of put it on his siblings too, which isn't their duty, but none of them had children because they couldn't have children. So that was new to find out. But on my mom's side, I didn't find out all the bad things until I was probably like 22. Everything from child abuse to, and like not even physical abuse, like sexual molestation. My uncles were sexually molested and one of them actually sexually molested his daughter Mm -hmm. and took her virginity when she was 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And that daughter lived with us and I never knew why. And I never knew why my mom despised her I didn't understand like the meanness because my mom's not a mean person. Um, And then another uncle, he had urges, but he never acted on them. And even though you were in the state of Arizona, you're guilty by admission. So he went to prison for 16 years for something he didn't do. That lady took him for everything he had, took both of his companies, took his house, kicked his kids out of the house, left his children without a father and their biological mother was already deceased. So it was just a lot. That alone was a lot to unpack because I didn't fully hear what happened 
until I was 22, but when it did happen, I was 16. And all I remember is my mom saying, he can rot in hell. He deserves to die. He deserves everything he gets in prison. And that's a harsh reality to hear at 16. So a lot of secrets and a lot of secrets with my siblings between their issues. So finding out that, I mean, it's a lot. Like my oldest sister, she always kind of played the victim. And my second oldest sister was always very mean towards her. And I never understood why. And it came out that both of them were actually math addicts and they pinned one another against each other. And Megan was always, she's the second oldest. She always was oh, drunk, a mean, mean drunk. Mm -hmm. And she kind of still is to this day, but I think she's kind of reined it in and she went through a lot in her life, but just so many secrets. And now today, as an adult, to full circle answer your question, it's hard trusting people. But the one thing that I honestly have taken away from it is blood is not thicker than water. And just because you're born into a family doesn't mean that they're your sole family. God may have put them in your life, but God puts someone in your life and everyone in your life for a reason. And it doesn't mean that they're meant to be in your life. And that's, that's one a big one. Yeah, definitely. And differentiating the lines. Let's talk about the free will versus God and how that showed up in your life as a child versus now. How do you see that? Because I think it's easy on the outside, like God is this miracle worker. Mm -hmm. And then you say yes to the calling and to loving him and to being a believer. Mm -hmm. And the world can seem like it's caving in a little bit. Mm -hmm. And understanding when it's God's will for you to go through something. Mm -hmm versus I made a choice that led me here. Mm -hmm. So my brother committed suicide when I was 13. People have so many ideas around suicide. But at the end of the day, what I have come to believe is the only person that truly knows what happened in that moment is that person in God. That person in God. And my mom had a hard time coping with it because she's Catholic and in Catholicism, Suicide is a sin. It's not supposed to happen. But then I asked the question, but I thought God knows how you die. I thought God plans how you die. I thought God plans everything in your life to happen the way that it's supposed to happen. So if suicide is a sin, then why did God make it happen? And that was the question I always had, and my grandparents couldn't answer it. My mom couldn't answer it. And I remember the week that he died, I was supposed to have cheerleading tryouts. And I found out second day into cheerleading tryouts, so I didn't go. No one really knew why from like the school perspective. And it was kind of crazy because his girlfriend was one of the cheerleading captains. So she didn't even know why I wasn't there. Because to her, it was a shock because he was supposed to be there. So it was this huge thing. He was very well known in the community. He was well-known through the NCAA nationwide through four different sports. So he was pretty big name, especially from a small town in Iowa. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I remember I went to church that week, and I asked him to pray for me. And I remember I went to the bathroom to go just contain myself. And I overheard one of the mothers saying to another mother that something was bound to happen with my family because my mom was a harlot because she was divorced, and that my brother's going to hell because 
who would want to live with that many women and be sane? And I lost my absolute mind. And I basically was like, so if my brother is in hell because he chose to not be in this evil world anymore, then what is your daughter when she is having sex with boys in the back of the church van right now? Like I was ruthless. And before then I was a shy, quiet, kept to myself, played with my Legos, didn't bug anybody, just was by myself. Mm -hmm. But my brother passing was the catalyst for my voice. I became me (laughs) (laughs) that it is now. And I blamed him being dead on a lot of the reasons why I made the choices that I made. But at the end of the day, he made that choice. And him and God made that choice together for him to not be here. And I had the choice to either wallow in my pity and go down this path of resentment and anger and frustration, or I could take what I learned and study it and learn from it and learn why people are the way that they are and understand that children don't want to be born. Like they didn't choose to be born. Your parents chose for you to be born because they wanted you to be that kind of thing. That's a whole other story, but my brother didn't choose the life that he lived. There's nothing that he could do. You know, he was born premature. He had developmental issues because he was born premature. There was a lot of toxins that were pumped into his body by the choices made by doctors. And my mom, being a naive mother, because she's low income and didn't have that education, she didn't educate herself on what was being pumped into her son. And she blames the doctors for his depression. She blames the doctors for all the mental illnesses that he had. Because at nine years old, he told her he didn't see the purpose of life. And he joined a church. And he was baptized when he was 18. They had to make a special blanket for him because he was 6'4". Like, a whole thing. So that really moved the point between God and God's will and free will to me. And it was a huge battle. Because then as I got older, I realized, like, murders happen. Rapes happen. Abortion happens. Abuse happens. Neglect happens. And at some point, people need to stop saying it's God's will and start realizing that it's free will. Mm -hmm. Because God isn't physically here with us. We are his, what is it, we're parishes? Is that what I'm thinking? Yeah. Yeah, like we're his soldiers. We're here to either make a difference or fall subject to the devil and the devil's temptations. Mm -hmm. And falling subject to the devil's temptations is a choice. And choosing to walk away from the devil's temptations, whether that's sex, drugs, suicide, murder, whatever it may be, that's all free will. So it's, especially now as I'm older and now living in the time that we do, it frustrates me when people try to shove God's will and human free will down Mm -hmm. anyone's throat. Mm -hmm. Because God has the path chosen for all of us and he will never put us through anything that we can't handle. And I know that. But I think right now it just frustrates me that I've seen what I've seen so far growing up and now living in a world that's so tainted. Still, it's still a battle Mm -hmm. every single day. The spiritual battle. Where do you find your purpose in that? I mean, you have so much wisdom through the trials and tribulations. 
everything that you've experienced has allowed you to hear God's voice clear or to see a different perspective, to share with someone who's in that space right now. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like now? It's I toggle so hard between wanting to live a life I love with the lifestyle I want to live, mm-hmm. but also making an impact in the world. And there's, I feel like there's so many resources, but there's so limited access to these resources because we are honestly, to be fully transparent, I feel like our government is turning into a communism country where they're restricting so much and they're basically blinding mainstream media into focusing on stuff that really truly doesn't freaking matter. And the system is so corrupt and it sucks because, I mean, you and I have talked about this, what I want to do, I want to go into social work. I want to get that experience, but I don't want to be stuck in that corrupt system. And it's hard knowing that I probably would get stuck because it's very hard to grow in that system from a career perspective. And so essentially what I would truthfully want to do is get my law degree and potentially be a judge someday because there's two lines when it comes to all of this stuff with foster care and neglect and abuse and abortion and child care and WIC and CPS. But then there's the other side where it's, there's good parents out there. There's good single parents. And I'm not just talking about single moms because there's some really crappy single moms out there that suck guys dry and it is repulsive. But there are good parents out there that are getting cheated by this system. And that's all I want to do is to be able just to help little kids understand that it's nurture versus nature, but it's also nature versus nurture. And adults don't always have the answers and adults aren't always right. And you need to trust yourself. And if you don't think that something's right, then don't do it. If an adult is telling you to do something and you don't think that it's right, don't do it. But I think where I struggle with is I want to impact so many children, not just one child. And I don't want to go to the standard, like, no offense, but the Boys and Girls Club, because that organization is so big, and there's so many kids that fall through the cracks with that. My brother, for instance, was a part of Big Brothers, Big Sisters. Mm -hmm. And Jeff, his big brother, is still super close to us to this day. He actually is like, he was like the butcher at our local grocery store. (laughs) So it's crazy to me, Um, but... So I see the good side of that, mm-hmm. but then I also see the bad side of it. And I think where it comes down to is my frustration of being like, one, how do I do it? And how do I do it where I don't go broke doing it? But also, how do I do it in a corrupt system? Because here in Milwaukee, I mean, as much as we've grown a lot as a community in the last 15 to 20 years, it's still very segregated. And that sucks, and it breaks my heart. And it's almost like... Like, I got told by my boyfriend's peers, we're all Hispanic. One of them told me the other day, do you have white guilt? He asked me if I had white guilt. I've never been asked that before. And I was like, maybe, but I don't know if it's a maybe as in, like, I feel bad for everyone that's of a different color than me because I don't, we all go about our own lives and their struggles and that kind of stuff. 
I feel guilty for the children of this country. I feel bad for the children of this country. I feel scared for the children I want to bring into this world because I see the ugly and I feel like I'm going to be that parent that like wants them to see the nastiness so they don't do it. But how do you subject a child so young to that? Like I just feel like there's so many children subjected to such bad things so young and they think it's okay and I just don't know where the problem starts and I don't know how to stop it and that's where I struggle hard. Where is God involved in that? Your relationship being so I hear the wisdom through your whole journey thus Mm -hmm. far. If God leads that journey, it takes so much of the burden you feel off, right? And every day I pray. Every night before I go to bed, I pray, and I'm just like, just take it. Like, just please, just take all my worry away. And I feel him taking it away, but then it comes back. And it comes back tenfold when I see certain situations. And I'm just like, then why is this happening? If I'm supposed to push everything into God, then why can't God fix it? Why can't God help it? Why can't God send a message to that mother that needs to be working instead of living off of someone else's income who doesn't care about her to barely take care of her children? Like, why can't God send a message to that dad that would rather be at a football game than spending time with his kid that he hasn't seen in two years. Like, why do I have to take on all the burden? Why can't God wake these people up? And so I struggle with that and I put everything into him. But the message that I keep getting back is you can only control what you can control and you have to take it one day at a time. And I feel like I'm racing in my brain, wanting to fix everything, not knowing how and wanting just to like be there. But there's processes to be there. There's so much learning. So that's where I struggle. Cause I just, I hear him being like, I know I made you impatient, but girl, come on. <laughs> that's just like what I hear all the time in the back of my head. Mm-hmm. So that's just, it's hard. And that goes back to your point though, when you differentiated free will versus God's will. Mm-hmm. It's our choice if we listen to the voice. So mm-hmm. who's to say that he hasn't told those individuals and they just chose not to listen? And then it makes me want to just shake them. But when you're and then it's like, but you can't. <laughs> what experience have you had in your life where you just knew that you were in your mess and it, you were struggling to get out of it? At what point, what experience? Like when I think about that, I think about um, last few years of college, probably my last, three, two to three years of college. Drank a lot, smoked a lot, partied a lot downtown. I did everything I knew I wasn't supposed to, but it was like my way of coping because I didn't have to think about everything that was running through my mind. I could just be free, like how they show you in the commercials where people are getting their Bud Light. No shade to Bud Light, but you know, they're in their moment of feeling free. And I knew that I didn't want to be there, but I couldn't control the uncontrollable. I think mine would probably be a few situations (laughs) because, I mean, there were so many times as a kid where I couldn't control it. Uh, My mom had a boyfriend who is, God, if the devil could walk this earth, that was him. 
and no, no shade of people that have rosacea. I know you can't control it, but he did. Mm-hmm. And he had two cysts that sat right here on his head, like devil horns. Mm-hmm. And he's mean. Like to this day, you know those like lighters that, that do the you have to flip the top off. Yeah. If I hear one of those, I will literally, I will probably throw a chair through a window. Like it is PTSD just triggers. Mm-hmm. He was such an evil, vile person, and I remember we moved in with him because all my siblings moved out, and this is before my mom met who I call my dad now. And God, this guy was so gross. Oh, I just I can't. I just remember it was just me and then my sister who's closest in age to me. She was 15 and she was pregnant. And we were both sleeping on couches. And my mom was trying to just get her freedom back. I mean, she's, she spent like 17 years raising kids by her, 21 years raising kids by herself at that point. So I don't blame her for wanting to have a little freedom, but it cringes to me because they were intimate and my sister and I could hear it because we were within close proximity and I remember us banging on the door telling my mom that was gross and one night he got so mad at me he punched me in the shoulder blade and my sister had grabbed a beer bottle and she smashed it and she held it to his throat and she said if you ever touch my little sister again I will kill you and he laughed at her and that was when we knew and that was when my mom lost it and she was like don't tell your brother because this is before Jacob passed away my brother easily would have killed him. He would have ignored every single ounce of God telling him no, and he would have killed him. And we moved out, and I remember that guy's house had flooded, and my mom let him stay on the couch, and I was like, no, no. You chose him over me once you made that choice, and I'm making the choice right now. He is not allowed in here, or I will move out. And this was at that point after my brother had passed away. And I remember he got lung cancer or something. I don't know what happened, but he died. And I felt so much weight lift off my shoulders when I found out that he died. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't have to be a scared little kid anymore. Mm -hmm. And I was so young, and I remember one of my sisters wrote on his memorial wall, and she was like, he was a close friend of the family, and I called her immediately, and I was like, delete that delete it. I was like, you were not there. You were not there through the abuse, through the disgusting things we had to listen to. You weren't there. She was like, oh, I'm sorry. And I was like, you should be because you weren't there. So don't, don't speak for other people when you don't know what they experienced with that person. And that was one catalyst. But I think my biggest one was probably over the pandemic. Cause that's kind of when everything started. I mean, I loved hotels. I loved being in hospitality, I loved tour and travel, but I felt burned out because what impact was I making in the world? I mean, I knew that I was booking events that were organizations helping cure AIDS all over the world that were, you know, children's hospital and doctors that are trying to fight cancer, which to me, I feel so much empathy and My heart goes out to people that struggle with cancer, but to the government, I think you're a joke because how did you come up with this vaccine so fast, but we've been struggling with cancer that was created by you, by mankind. Cancer is a man-made disease. And you can't figure out the cure for that, especially child cancer? Come on now. So I think just knowing all of that and in the midst of the pandemic and in the midst of my own personal struggles of being in an abusive relationship, 
I just got to a point where I was just like, what the hell are you doing? And who the hell have you become? You did not come this far to let some disgusting pig of a boy stuck in a man's body treat you like shit. You did not come this far to feel sorry for yourself that a global pandemic that you have no control over made you lose your job. You deserve to get up off this couch to fuel your mind, body, and spirit, to lean into God, to lean into everything that you believe in, and to do something with yourself. And so I think it's those catalyst moments where it's just, I mean, at that point I was back at my parents' farm, and so I was spending 45 minutes one way into the city, going to the gym, working out, going to see family and I spent a lot of the pandemic just really reflecting on like what impact I want to make in this world. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that really answered the question, but you went through, you did, <laughs> you went through your moment and it just happened to be recently. Mm -hmm. I think this is a good, a good wrap question to pandemic. It leads you back to where you came from, mm -hmm. to relationship with your mom. Oh yeah. Your sisters. Where do all of those relationships stand today? So it's funny that you mentioned that because Megan, the second oldest, her and I never got along. Never. Like I mentioned before, she was a drunk, she was mean. She has two boys that, going back to secrets, she has a 22-year-old with a man that is evil and... She didn't deserve any of that, but it is what it is. And she hasn't seen him since he was four years old, but that's because of his father. His father moved and would tell her, yeah, come get him. And then he just wouldn't answer the phone when she would drive seven hours to come get her son. So that's on him. But then she also had a child with a man who tried to kill her when she was six months pregnant and beautiful, half black, half white baby, just beautiful got blue eyes he was born on my birthday he was my best friend and one day I remember she came over and my mom was pissed and I was like what is going on I was like where's Dom at she was like I gave him up for adoption and I lost my shit and that was the day that I lost all respect for her and that was the day that she started drinking again and I remember we were getting full-blown fist fights huge fist fights, whether she was drunk or sober, because she was angry and she wanted someone to take it out on. And she's a selfish person. And now she's married. She has two little girls. And her husband knows that she has two little boys, but her children don't. And his whole family has no idea. They have no idea that she has two full-grown sons. And I think that that's disgusting. And I think that karma is going to bite her in the ass one day when they find out because those little boys know who she is and they know where she lives and they've been in contact with her and her husband resents her for it and their marriage isn't doing good and it just goes to show secrets. Friends can make secrets, but secrets don't make friends. Mm -hmm. And you can shove skeletons in your closet all day long, but one day the door is gonna budge and I don't feel sorry for what her repercussions are, but when it comes to the secrets that 
my mom held from me. Her and I hashed those out over quarantine. She's my best friend. I talk to her every day. There's not a secret that her and I hold from each other anymore. And I love that for her. I am petrified of the day that she's no longer on this earth because God bless my husband when he has to deal with me when she's no longer here because I will be a whole new person again. Um, but when it comes to my sisters, I'm not as close with them as I used to be when I was little. I'm not as close to them as I used to be even six years ago because I realized that they have their own agendas in their own life and they believe in different things because we are adults and we're different people. And it's okay for us to believe in different things. And it's okay for us to see each other around the holidays and be nice. But there's always going to be two things. We, three things we don't talk about when we're around each other. And that's religion, politics, and my brother. Because those three things, you will see literally what we call an Irish car bomb in our house. It will blow up. So secrets don't make friends. But... At this point, I've realized that I can't trust them except for surface value and who they are today, and it's not much. This, I want to read this to you. Okay. We'll really wrap with this. I want to hear your thoughts. It's a book that I got on accident, and when I knew I was coming here, I was like, this would be a perfect read. And now, I mean, I just learned a ton, more than what we had talked about yeah. prior. So I, I feel like this reading is probably on point. So it's a book about life in a tree, but there are just these short sections. So it reads, attend to your core, black walnut. Focus on building your inner strength and you'll have a solid trunk to support you through the stresses of everyday life. Trees are masters of this. After all, their trunks has to support all of the weight of their branches and the wildest winds. The center of the trunk is called the heartwood. And the black walnut in particular has some impressive inner still. It is admired for its beauty and strength, and its hardwood is so tough it can stand with a huge force without falling. What does that mean to you? That's beautiful. Oh my gosh, I love that. <laughs> Oof, that almost made me cry. Um, that's beautiful. That just means that it doesn't matter how heavy the winds how heavy the burdens, that you're strong, that I'm strong, that we're all strong. And it doesn't matter what you go through, what the earth throws at you, what the universe throws at you, what God throws at you, and what other people throw at you. You can only take on what you can take on, and you can only control yourself. These stories, they connect us. Celebrities are human too. The ultimate question, what was the journey like to freedom? Wait, freedom is different perspectives. Everyone heals differently. Life and legacy are complex and beauty feels good when it's freeing. We see these individuals everywhere. We see family and friends daily, but do we really see them? Their thoughts, their grief, their pain or struggles. Healing is being strong. If your heart is broken, you'll find God right there. If you're kicked in the gut, he'll help you catch your breath. Remember to breathe. You're stronger than you think. Make sure you follow Invisible Beauty on all social channels at I am Invisible Beauty. Until next time, this is Invisible Talks Pod. I'm Tyra Elon.